Welcome to MHM Podcast Network on moviehousememories.com. Podcast for pod people. Our feature presentation begins now. Welcome to this Battle Royale edition of Movie House Concessions here on the MHM Podcast Network. Each episode, we pull a random film from the display case to see if, see if it is as fresh as the day it was released. I am Chad. And I am Patrick. <laughs> and for this episode, we are reviewing 1968's Destroy All Monsters, directed by Ishiro Honda, written by... Ishiro Honda, and Takeshi Kimura, and starring Akira Kubo, Jun Tazaki, and Yoshio Tsuchiya, I think it is. I'll go with that. So, uh, Patrick, do you have a summary for this fine film? (laughs) I do indeed. Years after the events in Son of Godzilla, humankind has captured and collected all the monsters of the world onto a remote island known as Monster Island. Very cleverly named. Located in the Ogasawa Island chain, the island contains a special control center that members of the United Nations Science Committee, or the UNSC, use to monitor the monsters on the island. The scientists ensure that the monsters stay secure on the island so that they can study them. The scientists on the island are mysteriously attacked and gassed by an unknown group of assailants. As a result, the rest of the world loses contact with Monster Island. Shortly afterwards, the monsters from the island begin attacking the world's capitals. Dr. Yoshida of the UNSC dispatches Captain Katsui Yamabe from the UNSC's moon base. Katsua and his crew fly back to Earth on their spaceship Moonlight SY-3 to investigate what happened on the island. Once on the island... Katsua discovers that the scientists, who are led by Dr. Otani, are being mind-controlled by an alien race called the Kylax. The Kylax reveal that they are in control of the monsters. The Kylax Queen demands that humankind surrender or the Kylax will use the monsters to destroy humanity. The human race refuses to surrender, so the monsters continue to attack. Godzilla attacks New York City, while Rodan devastates Moscow. Gorosaurus destroys Paris while Mothra leaves Beijing a wasteland. The attacks are a distraction to keep military forces away from Japan, where the Kylax are attempting to establish an underground stronghold near Mount Fuji. The Kylax unleash their next attack on Tokyo, with a group of monsters all attacking at once. However, the UNSC discovered that the Kylax are luring the monsters to Tokyo using mind control devices and dampen the effect on the monsters. The Kylax switch to using their mind control device from their base under the moon's surface. Katsua leads his crew and their ship to the moon to destroy the Kylax base. They are successful, although they discover that the Kylax need extreme heat to survive. With the base destroyed, UNSC regains control of the monsters again. The Kylax retaliate by summoning King Ghidorah, the three-headed space monster, to Earth to destroy humanity and to protect the remaining Kylak forces hidden under Mount Fuji. Godzilla, Manila, 
Mothra, Rodan, Angurus, Gorosaurus, and Kumonga unite to fight Ghidorah. The space monster is overpowered by the combined monster forces and eventually killed. The desperate Kylax unleashed their last weapon, which is a burning monster called the Fire Dragon. The Fire Dragon creates devastation throughout Tokyo and destroys the UNSC base on Monster Island. Surprisingly, Godzilla attacks Mount Fuji and the Kylax underground base. At the same time, Katsua pursues the Fire Dragon in his SY-3 spaceship. He discovers the Fire Dragon is really a Kylax ship. The Kylax ship is destroyed, which ends the alien threat to the Earth, and Godzilla and the other monsters return to Monster Island and once again live in peace and tranquility. And that is destroy all monsters. Sounds about right. I think I remember it happening that way. Very good. Very good. <laughs> hey, uh, Destroy All Monsters was released in Japan on August the 1st of 1968. It was made on a budget of 200 million yen and earned 170 million yen, which probably isn't good. No. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Uh, let's see. It made. I think they said they sold two point million, two point seven million tickets, roughly, which is making uh, a lot of news at that time because Invasion of the Astro Monsters uh, was one of the lower ones at three point eight million tickets, and then Son of Godzilla, which was right before this one, sold two point five million tickets. So the Godzilla franchise was sinking uh, pretty quickly at this point in time. In the United States, this film was released on May the 23rd of 1969. I couldn't really find any good numbers on this one. All I could really tell was it was in the theater at the same time as The Appointment, Target Harry, Winning, and Patrick's favorite film of all time, Midnight Cowboy. Mm. <laughs> Let's see. It uh, gets a score of 6.5 out of 10 from the Internet Movie Database. 92% of the Google robots really, really like this movie. I'm sorry. Did you say 6.5? 6.5 out of 10. Wow. Yes. Critics at Rotten Tomatoes give it a 75%, while the audience gives it a 68%. So that's the tale of the tape for this movie uh, today. I, I, you finished up strong there. I had to kill my mic for a spit take a 75 percent for this film <laughs> yeah from the critics yes <laughs> all right yeah was there we'll only, was there only four <laughs> critics and three of them liked it <laughs> and their last names with... are all honda <laughs> <laughs> that's good okay well we'll get to that in a little bit talking about this movie and uh, how good it is and uh, let's see Toho Studios distributed Destroy All Monsters, the ninth film in the Godzilla franchise, as I said, on October the first or excuse me, August the first of nineteen sixty-eight. This installment was intended to be the greatest science fiction slash monster movie of all time, bringing eleven monsters together in one film. Godzilla, King Ghidorah, Mothra, Rodan, Anguirus, Manila. Gorosaurus, Baragon, Manda, Kumanga, and Varan all featured in this flick in varying degrees. Four more monsters, including King Kong, were originally set to appear in this film, but delays in production gave us the 11 featured here. So let's start with the gaggle of monsters in this film, Patrick. Uh, how do you feel the 11 of the all-time great monsters did in this flick? even if we only saw them for, like, say, 15 or 20 minutes of the 88-minute runtime. <laughs> um, did any of the monsters stand out, in your opinion? 
Godzilla. Very good. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla. I mean, it's Godzilla, and then I go, okay, there's Mothra. You know, there's Rodan, and then King Ghidorah at the end. But even he kind kind of went out like a wimp. Um, I mean, granted, they're all you know, there's a whole bunch of monsters at once, but it's kind of anticlimactic after you've built that character up in the previous films. But you know, like the the little spider thing, I barely remember from Son of Godzilla, and you know, Ang- Anguasaurus or whatever from the you know what. Godzilla raids again. I mean, it's been a long time since we saw that character and I never thought he was that special, but you know, Godzilla, Godzilla's the draw and that's why I watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Gorosaurus I, and Varan were from outside movies. Uh, I think uh, one was a King Kong lives movie and a, I can't remember what the other one was that they weren't even from a God's previous Godzilla movie Yeah, and they were brought into this one. So, <laughs> I gave uh, Anguirus some credit. They actually had him be probably second strongest against King Ghidorah in the big battle towards the end. But ultimately, like you said, it's Godzilla who has to stand up and really take credit for everything, including the most destruction in the movie against um, Tokyo and then I believe New York. And then once the main fighting against uh, Ghidorah happens, it's Godzilla who basically beats the shit out of him. And then everybody comes in to do the curb stomps afterwards and finally kill <laughs> off the space alien well and then they have to throw manila in there which i that like doughy little dinosaur just is so uninteresting and i have uh, no i i just have no interest in that character which is sad because i know we still get to see him again at least in one more film <laughs> yeah he's there for the kids we know it i mean that's the only reason he's there is to make the kiddos happy uh yes so, yeah, that's the big thing about this movie. It's supposed to bring all these monsters together and be the basically the end of the golden era of the monster movies for Toho and the Godzilla franchise. But it really, really is interesting how it's mainly just Godzilla, and then everybody else chimes in later. <laughs> yes. So in in the movie, it's 1999, and all of the monsters are safe and sound living on Monsterland. Then those damn aliens, the Kelax or whatever in the hell we want to call them, who look just like every other Japanese person who lives on Earth uh, and who is a human being, uh, come and they want to destroy everything, so they use the monsters. So I guess here's my question for you on this one. Uh, Is the hour and 15-minute war between the Kelax and the United Nations Science Committee an adequate storyline for the sci-fi fans out there? And uh, did we need more monsters and less sci-fi in this one? Uh, we needed more monsters. I mean, we saw the monsters on the island. Then we get like this brief interlude at the beginning when they're doing attacks. And then we've got the big fight at the end. And there's far too much Keelak and two little monsters for a film called Destroy All Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the that's the what I don't get is the premise. I understand that they are wanting to use the monsters to destroy Earth because they don't like Earth and the Earthlings. So they want to do everything themselves or have the control of everything themselves. But, again, why are, why are they trying to destroy the monsters if they're needing to use the monsters? And then why do we need the space aliens who look just like, like say, humans uh, fighting against the United Nations or whatever it's called, the, yeah, United Nations Science Committee, None of this storyline really fleshes out. We've seen this all done in previous movies where you have 
space aliens come in and try to use the monsters to defeat the earthlings or other people. It, it It's just a retread, but yet a lot of people out there seem to think this is one of the great sci-fi storylines that uh, was ever put into the Godzilla series. Well, he, well, well, when you couch it into those narrow terms, <laughs> yes. one of the great sci-fi storylines of the Godzilla film series. I mean, yeah, it's, it's still better than some other ones because at least it has the, the marquee value of a lot of monsters and you, you know, a lot of the, the top build monsters and then some sub characters, but it's still, I mean, it doesn't have, I don't know, the cultural resonance or mm. at least, uh, the, the, uh, the, the subtext of like the first Godzilla film. I mean, this is just rubber monster beating rubber monster is what it is. And let's put some random alien stuff which haven't we already touched on random alien stuff already with like astro monster yeah and that's what i was getting at is that's where it basically started out was with astro monster you had the aliens were bringing uh godzilla and i think mothra and i can't remember who else to um a planet to fight off Ghidorah. And so that's, I mean, we, so we've basically been down that road before. Yeah. I mean, this time Ghidorah comes here, although I think Ghidorah came there to earth then as well, but it's just that, you know, it's just like, wow, we're, we're kind of hitting re- retread on this already, which is a little bit disappointing. Yeah. And I, I, I like what you were just mentioning. Cause I always go back to the original Gojira film, which I know you love. I love, it's one of those where you have this, storyline about nature and man versus nature and the battles. And we're, we've lost that man versus nature story component in the Godzilla series a long, long time ago. And now it's just all supposed to be monster movies. But I've also noticed as we've gone through these podcasts, we've lost somewhat of the monster movie component. It's now let's fill up two thirds of the movie with human elements, which as we said, are retread storylines now of aliens versus humans, possibly, or humans versus humans, or evil guy versus good guy. And then at the end, let's throw the monsters in because that's what's selling tickets. How disappointed are you to see the man versus nature or other cool, really deep storylines have been lost throughout the series? Well, I mean, I, I, I that's what I miss the most because Gojira was the best by far. Uh, as far as a film, but in addition to that, we're also like kidding it up. I mean, we're, we're really playing to a far younger and younger audience. As, as soon as they introduce Manila, that's it's for the children. And that's what these storylines are. They're so simplistic that there, there's no complexity to them to really kind of challenge a viewer viewer. And, and I know that evolves, especially into like the next film, you know, that we'll review here in a few months, all, you know, uh, all monsters attack. <laughs> and that where it is, it, it, as you kind of said, it's like we're writing a story and we're shoehorning shoehorning some monsters in here and there uh, to, to you know to kind of fill up the time, and it gets no more appalling than in that one, which really has nothing to do with the monsters at all. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's where I've come with this as we've reviewed all these. Is I real really bad because. Even if you want to watch them as good monster movies, the monsters are basically gone, and it's it's sad that they've gone that direction because these monsters are really cool and could add a lot if they just let them do something, but it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Well, Ishiro Honda had not 
earned a writing credit on a Godzilla flick since the original Gojira in 1954. Sinichi Sekizawa had written every Godzilla film since the second one, which was Godzilla Raids Again. And this film, as I was saying earlier, has been praised for its simple sci-fi-based story. Seeing it as the ultimate monster movie, and I still laugh every time I see that. It, but again, it just feels really, really too basic until the final conflict takes place. I guess what I wanted to try to get at is what in your opinion, could these guys have improved on to bring it back? I know we sort of hit on it more monsters, but what are we sort of missing that could have made these a little bit more friendly for the audiences? Well, friendly for the audience or make it a better story. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Yeah. Good call. Better story. I think you could have played up the mystery of what is going on for a much longer period of time in this film. And if you wanted to have this alien invasion, Kylak aspect of it, keep that for the final act and have, you know, something, something goes wrong on the Island and the monsters escape and inexplicably they're attacking these cities and possibly you get some more monster time by Hey, let's try to stop them and, you know, and see what happens there. And I think you could have played that up. They almost immediately find out, Hey, there's, there's aliens, somebody's mind controlling them and there's, and there's aliens and it's, and so it's, the, the monsters are taken away from the threat and they're just, they're a sympathetic character that they're just unfortunately being mind controlled. Like some of the people are. And I, I didn't like that. I like the monsters when they're more of a threat to everyone. I don't like them being on the same side as, as the human race most of the time. And and you could have played it at the end that they were on the same side, but I, I would have liked to, have, I think that could have built some suspense into the film. I agree, because to me, there's no sense of urgency in these movies anymore. It's There's something bad going on. We usually find out it's either the bad guy, the aliens, who are controlling the monsters, or you know they have some nefarious activity someplace where the monsters are near. And then, once again, we then circle back in and say, hey, let's have the monsters who are even remotely associated with the nefarious activities come into play and have a conflict at the end of the movie. Because uh, you're just sitting there now watching these things going, okay, 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 so we see a monster here, cool, we see a monster here, cool. When is the big conflict going to happen between any of the monsters? And what are we going to possibly learn from it at the end? And you learn nothing except you see people in rubber suits now, no really good sci-fi, no real good lighting effects. It's all just rubber suit monsters and really, really bad rubber suit monsters in models nowadays. Um, and when I say models, I mean model tanks and airplanes and things of that nature. So it's it's really going downhill as we uh, review these things, movie to movie. Yeah, no, I agree. It's I mean, it's uh, although I thought this is a step up from Son of Godzilla, <laughs> and that's because I really don't like the Son of Godzilla, um, <laughs> the, and he has less screen time in this film. Uh, this is still nowhere near. Uh, the how they began the series for the first couple of films. Right. Exactly. Because, like I say, the man versus nature thing, totally, totally gone. Yeah, no. I mean, it's man and monster against aliens. I mean, it's... <laughs> I must agree. Uh, so this one is also sort of praised a lot for its sound. Um, the scoring and the... Uh, the music used did, did it catch your attention at all no 
<laughs> okay. Not especially. No, I mean, not, not exceptionally. Now, to be honest with you, it's because it was such an older movie. I wasn't paying attention as much. I do have to say that uh, you and I are watching this off our Criterion sets. And uh, I watched, for some reason, I watched, I, I meant to watch the Japanese language version of it, but I watched the dub version of it. But I had my subtitles still turned on. And so I was getting the English dub with subtitles. And the dialogue doesn't match. <laughs> and I thought that was really interesting. I mean, the same, it's essentially the same gist. Every once in a while, it's a little bit, I mean, it's a, it, it has different meanings, but it's not even, I mean, it's not, the words are not even close. You know, it's, you know, it's like, hello, Colonel, good to see you again. You know, is the dialogue below and it's like, Colonel, it's about time you got here. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's when what why why did we have two different interpretations of this <laughs> that's fine uh say so i've never had that happy accident before I, yeah because i watched it straight with the the japanese language and the subtitles so no, yeah I, I, missed it. I, I was going to switch back but then i saw it like right away and i'm like now i'm just curious if this is just an anomaly and then it was happening all over the place and i was like <laughs> now i'm just i just want to see if at some point in time that there's something an important detail and, and there really was not an important detail that got changed either for one version or another i don't even know which one's the closer you know uh the closer translation to what the original Japanese language was supposed to say, but it was, it's an interesting anomaly of that. Mm. The dub and the, uh, the subtitles, English subtitles are not that similar. <laughs> it appears that this one never really hit television until the 1990s. And I believe the sci-fi channel here in the United States uh, brought it on once or twice. And since then um, as uh, DVDs and, now streaming have become more prevalent. I keep seeing this specific movie everywhere, um, either streaming services, even if they don't have all the Godzilla films, or I see more and more DVD copies out when I'm going and searching for my uh, bargain basement discounts. This one really, really has a cult status, and I assume it's because of all the monsters. And as I've read many, many times, they consider this the end of the golden era of the Toho and Showa Godzilla flicks. And I really, really understand why people would think that because of all the monsters in one movie. But I don't get the point of anybody thinking it's that great or why it would uh, grasp onto a cult status. Have you heard of this uh, same phenomenon and could you understand it? No, because what I've always heard about this film, and I, I've seen this for this film before. Um, once or twice before, once when I was younger, I do remember it vividly because of all the monsters. But I, I, I've always heard of it is it that it sucks ass. <laughs> what, I mean, and that's put it mildly. That's what I've always heard of it. People making fun of it is that it was not a good film. I, I cannot honestly say I know anyone who uh, has ever told me that this is a good Godzilla film. And I know a few people who like Godzilla movies and this this is not the, the one that they compliment. Right. right. Because I'll admit, I saw it late one night about 10, 15 years ago. Um, and that's what reintroduced me to it because I had forgotten it even existed. And I did not remember there being uh, movies out there that had this many of the monsters in it. And so naturally I was intrigued, but I must have caught it halfway through towards the end. And then naturally, like I said earlier, the end of the movie is the most entertaining because of all the monsters. 
So I guess it piqued my interest in, but I just was never so interested that I had to watch it over and over again, even at that point in time. No, I mean, it's, I've seen it again. I can't imagine I'm going to be revisiting it anytime soon. Unlike the original Godzilla film. Right. I'm with you there. Okay, I think we've telegraphed this one, but I'm going to ask, uh, can you give us your final thoughts on this film, uh, Destroy All Monsters? Is it as fresh as the day it was released, or does it have that burnt taste in the back of your mouth there, Patrick? Oh, and can you give us a ranking on a one-to-five star scale? I, you know, it still has a lot of monsters, and that's a good thing. <laughs> not, I don't get to see the monsters as much as I want. And I'm not that interested in the aliens. So I'm ultimately, I'm going to give it two stars. And one of the reasons I'm giving it two stars is I know what the shit that's coming next is. <laughs> and, uh, and I can't go too low because there's got to be a difference between what happens in the next, what I give the next film compared to this film. Uh, I understand. Because <laughs> I'm of the same mentality. This one definitely left the burnt taste in the back of my mouth, you know, because... I was expecting a little bit more from it because of that, everything I'd read and heard about it leading up to this, that cult status that it had garnered over the last decade or so. So as I watched it, I got really bored with the whole alien versus human storyline again. Uh, I did enjoy seeing all the different monsters interact. And I'm like you, I give it a two out of five because I know there's a few more really, really big turdy films out there that are going <laughs> to come our way. Um, so I'm not going to go down any lower than that. Two out of five for me. But I definitely tell anybody to watch it if they really, really like the monsters and they want to see all the monsters in one movie and a big, big slugfest right at the end. Well, that is it for our review of Destroy All Monsters. Please let us know what you think of the film in the comments section on our website and rate it from one to five stars. There, If there's a film you'd like for us to review please send us an email to comments at moviehousememories.com and give us your name, location, and film choice. Please follow the MHM Podcast Network on YouTube, Twitter, and Stitcher to stay abreast of all the network's latest releases. Our podcasts are now exclusively uh, debuting on our YouTube channel, so check it out, follow us, and you'll be updated every time one is released. Last but certainly not least, please use the Amazon link on our website, moviehousememories.com, to buy all of your Godzilla needs. If you'd like to own the Criterion Collection of the Showa-era Godzilla flicks like Patrick and I own and are reviewing currently, please pick up a copy at our online store, mhmmart.com. Well, that does it for this episode of Movie House Concessions. Until next time, I'm Chad. And I'm Patrick. And this concession stand is now closed. This podcast is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The song Rock On Bretta is brought to you by Marwan Nimra at Nintentine.com under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 license. 
All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of Movie House Concessions, the MHN Podcast Network, and Fuzzy Bunny Slippers Entertainment, LLC, unless otherwise noted.